0: Slendy, Ago, go, slendy, ayy. Hit it up the park. Hit it up the park. Hit him with a strike. Hit him with a strike. From the national anthem, anthem to the bottom of the night. I'm in Slendy, Ago, go, Slendy, Ago. Hey. Slendy, Ago, hey. Slendy, Ay. You already know what's up. Uh. What's that? Another home run. run. But you know the job ain't done. Till we hold that trophy up. What's going on everybody? Welcome to episode 491 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is October 16th, 2023. The ALCS is underway. NLCS is going to be going to be getting underway here uh, later tonight. Phillies and D-backs. Meanwhile, in Padre land, obviously there's not a whole lot going on. Just pretty much waiting for this postseason to end so that we can really get going here in the off season. Uh, Monday through Friday, I have been doing player reviews and I started that last week. And so I'm going to be continuing to do that. Uh, For the most part, I think all of my shows actually so far for the player reviews this season have been single players, Darvish, Cronaworth, Musgrove, Manny. Uh, I think those were the four that I've done so far. Um, But Today is going to be the first one where there's going to be multiple players, in fact four guys, Stephen Wilson, Ray Kerr, Luis Garcia, and Jose Espada, and uh we'll just, you know, continue to move through this player review uh list here, this uh that I have. It's a it's a pre kind of determined list uh just cuz I want to make sure that I get to all these players. Um so if you're waiting on someone like Juan Soto or Fernando Tatís Jr., uh, I will definitely be getting to them. I'll tell you that those will probably be the two last ones that I do. Um, But right now we're going to be focusing on the bullpen here. These these at least these four relievers today. And also, as always, for anyone that is here for these morning live shows, uh, just if you have comments, thoughts on the Padres questions, anything, feel free to put them in the chat. If you use that super chat button, I greatly appreciate that. And I will get to all of those. Also, if you're watching on replay, there's the super thanks button as well. Um, And then at the end, I can hit on some other San Diego sports stuff. If you missed my San Diego State football video, um, San Diego Wave, San Diego Loyal, pretty good San Diego sports weekend. So talk about that there at the end. Uh, But let's get started here. Starting off with Stephen Wilson and Ray Kerr. Uh, Season reviews for them. Stephen Wilson. Finished with a 0.4 F4, 52 games, 53 innings, a 391 ERA, 1170 whip, 57 strikeouts, 27 walks. Ray Kerr, a 0.1 F4, 22 games, 27 innings, a 433 ERA, 1259 whip, 35 punchouts, and nine walks. Steven Wilson, I don't think he had as good of a season or at least. The eye test, not looking back at numbers right now, but just eye test-wise, I don't think that he had as good of a season as he did in 2022. But he's he's someone that can, can fill multiple roles with this Padres bullpen. And it sucked that he had the injury, um, which you know shortened the season for him. And so hopefully he is going to be good going into 2024. Uh, but this is someone that, you know, 2022, right? If we go back to last year, he came on strong. And I didn't really know a whole lot about Stephen Wilson, to be honest. I don't think that a lot of Padres fans knew a whole lot about Stephen Wilson. But he pitched really well, gained Bob Melvin's trust, the coaching staff's trust. And he put himself in the situation where he was pitching in some better spots some higher leverage situations. And he got some of those opportunities this year. Um, and he hit some rough patches. Um, now, in a three-month span from May to the end of July, if we want to look on some positives of Steven Wilson's year, had a one-two-four ERA in those months. Um, opponents hit 185 off of Wilson in 2023. So it doesn't look like he did. It didn't look like his performance was that bad. I think. I think this was kind of like with Musgrove, right? With the IL, and maybe he wasn't fully healthy uh, at the beginning, especially. Um, Wilson, he was on the IL multiple times, missed a few weeks with the pectoral strain, ultimately had a season come to an end at the end of August uh, when he had the left hip inflammation. Um, And that was just another blow to this Padres team, right? right? Because Steven Wilson is one of those guys where it's, he feels like he's a reliable guy. I know it's been not a long track record in San Diego, obviously, with Steven Wilson but it feels like he's one of those guys that he can pitch high leverage. He can pitch low leverage, like someone that he can come in and be impactful for this Padres team. I think that the injuries had to have played a factor for Steven Wilson in his season. And I don't know about you guys, but in 2022, like the fastball impressed me the fastball. um, It was getting by guys. And this season, I'm not saying it wasn't getting by guys, but maybe guys were adjusting to that because they had seen Steven Wilson more. Um, let me look up Steven Wilson's his numbers here on Baseball Reference. I want to dive a little bit into his not not advanced numbers, but numbers beyond just like ERA, FIP, stuff like that. Um, let's see. This is what I want. Um, So opponents, again, hitting 185 off of him in 2023. The walk rate was up. The exit velocity was up. He was getting a little bit more ground balls. About the same amount of fly balls. And then if we go to Baseball Savant and check out Stephen Wilson, See, waiting for this to load. Still waiting. So you go look at his baseball savant. It doesn't really look that bad. I mean, there's not a lot of chase rate, ground ball rate, first percentile, so not a whole lot of ground balls, you know. Um but there's a lot of red on here, and that's what you want in baseball savant. Like you want to be in the red uh, because that means that your numbers in those certain categories are great. Really good. Um, so what I'm seeing here from Steven Wilson, not a lot of hard hit balls off of him. XERA, I think that means like fueled or park adjusted ERA. I think 81st percentile hard hit percentage, 85th percentile extension 91st percentile um uh, the walk rate like maybe that got him into a little bit of trouble um probably want that to be a little bit down but for me with steven wilson this season i i i immediately think about the injuries like man if he would have been able to stay fully healthy I and mean, you could say this about a lot of guys not just on the padres but in major league baseball but if he would have been able to stay healthy who knows what would have happened, because if Stephen Wilson was healthy, then are the Padres forced to rely on some other guys in the bullpen that weren't able to come through in certain spots? You know, like it just gives Bob Melvin another good option. And that definitely doesn't hurt when the bullpen was a little bit shaky during times this season. Right. OK, moving on to Ray Kerr. So Ray Kerr. Obviously not a big sample size, twenty-two games. Steven Wilson had fifty two games, and that was even with the injuries. Ray Kerr with twenty-two games, four three, three ERA. With Ray Kerr, I was for me, you know, there's certain things with with uh not pitcher not just pitchers, but with players overall that there's one thing that kind of sticks out immediately when you mention their name, you look back on a season, and for Ray Kerr, it was just how many times he was called up. And called and sent down, up, down, up, down. He was called up from A El Paso five different times. So I think it probably was pretty hard for him to really get comfortable in the big leagues and what his role was going to be. Um, now, he was still able to give the Padres more than uh, just a handful of two inning outings. Like, I think he was pretty valuable there sometimes in mop up duty um, and When he is able to show, like he did this season, that he can go multiple innings, he can go one run, or excuse me, one inning at times, um, that makes him more valuable to this team. And I think that allows Bob Melvin, Ruben Niebla, the Padres, to trust Ray Kerr more. And we know that with the Padres payroll probably going down, having someone like Ray Kerr, who's inexpensive, not going to cost a lot of money, maybe have him at the back, the I, sh- I should say like the bottom of the bullpen, you know, in certain spots. I think that that that's a that's a positive thing to have uh if you're the San Diego Padres. So I'm looking to see I'm looking forward to seeing how Ray Kerr can do in 2024 for this Padres team. I'm interested to see if he gets more of a role for this Padres team. So yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens there uh with Ray Kerr. The negatives, you know, on Gaslight and Ball, I've been doing the season reviews for these players. And if you read those, you'll see positives. You'll see negatives. Negatives for Ray Kerr, I mean, like, it's hard for me to be pinpointing negatives for Ray Kerr just because I want to see him, like, have a real role for this Padres team if he does have it next year before I really start getting into, okay, can this guy do this? Can this guy not do this for this Padres team? Um, so... We'll see what happens in 2024 with Ray Kerr. Now, getting on to Luis Garcia, Jose Espada. um, I'll talk talk about Espada for like probably 30 seconds to a minute here in a little bit because there's just not a whole lot to talk about with him because we didn't really see him at the big league level. But with Luis Garcia, he finished his year with a .1 F4 despite pitching in 61 games. So he had plenty of time to uh, increase his value for this Padres team. 61 games, 59 and two thirds innings, 407 ERA, a 1391 whip, 53 punch outs, 24 walks. Now, looking at his game logs, right? Like if I was going to go to Luis Garcia's baseball reference page, he is a free agent. So it is going to be interesting to see if the Padres want to bring him back. How much are they willing to give him if they're going to try to bring him back? Um, but this year, like, I think a lot of Padres fans aren't fans of Luis Garcia, and I understand it. Like, yeah, we, we could have someone else better in here. But if you go look at his game logs, yes, there are some games where he gives up four runs, like April 4th against Arizona, or five runs, April 21st, again, against Arizona. Um, I guess doesn't like facing Arizona sometimes. Four runs allowed at Cincinnati on July 1st, even though they won that game. Um, let's see. Yeah, that's those are, those are the big blow-up outings. But if you look at the outings in between that, like let's go from the April 4th outing against the D-backs where he gave up four runs. And then the five-run outing, you look at the outings in between, which is six appearances there in April, and he gave up one run in those six appearances. Then let's go to the next gap, right? Between those, those big outings. Okay. Uh, the April 21st outing, let's go there. Let's start. So starting April 25th, cause that was the next outing after that April 25th to the next four run outing, which is July 1st. So June 29th was the outing before that. So between blowups is what I'll call it there. Get a 204 ERA allowed four earned runs in seven, uh, 17 and two thirds innings, 19 games. Like that's not bad. I don't think that's terrible. Opponents OPS was 587, which good OPS is like 700, 800. And then great is obviously more than that. So when I'm looking through these game logs, result wise, earned run wise, like it doesn't look that bad. And, and so I don't, right now I don't see Luis Garcia returning to the Padres because with the Padres trying to turn payroll I think that a team will be willing to give him probably it might not be a multi-year deal but a one-year deal and give him more than what the now what is that what did Luis Garcia let me see what Luis Garcia made in 2023 for the Padres what was it three and a half well he was he was on the two year seven million dollar deal I think right so that's why this was his last year under contract. Yeah, two-year, seven million-dollar contract that he signed going into last season. So he was making. Well, it says adjusted salary was three point seven five mil, three and a half, three point seven five mil, whatever you want to say. So will the Padres be willing to give him four million, five million, whatever? whatever he might command I think another team would be willing to give him that where with the Padres it feels like with the bullpen if they think that they can pinch what's the saying pinch pennies the phrase Um, if they feel like they can do that anywhere in the bullpen I think that they're going to want to do that because at least I hope I don't think this team wants to get rid of Juan Soto I don't think they want to get rid of um, some of these bigger contracts. I think they want Nick Martinez back. I think they want Waka and Lugo back. I don't know if all three are going to come back, but I think that they want those guys back. So you want to have the payroll go down. Is there someone out there? Is there someone in your minor league system that you can bring up that can do what Luis Garcia did in 2023? And I think a lot of Padres fans would say yes. So you could save $4 million, uh, almost four million dollars there for your 2024 payroll. Are you willing to do that with Luis Garcia? And Luis Garcia, you might not even be. You may helping yourself, maybe helping yourself because Garcia could get, I don't know, five six mil on a one year deal from someone. And because c- all it takes it's it's one team. It's all it takes is one team to do that. Would would the Padres give him that? I don't think that they would, so I don't know. I don't. Maybe I'm overrating Luis Garcia. Maybe I'm thinking that another team is going to really like Luis Garcia and take that take that risk because they did see some things that they like. Um, just from the eyeball test, I know I was talking about that earlier. With Luis Garcia, I think that he needs to pound the strike zone a little bit more. Um, it, for me, watching games with Luis Garcia. It was inconsistency. So we'll see if the Padres bring him back. If they don't, I don't think that it will be like this huge void in the Padres' bullpen. Like, again, his impact. I know F-war, war, whatever you want to use, it's not everything. But it is something, and it was point .1. I think you can get that from maybe even Ray Kerr. You can get that. I know uh, Garcia's a righty and Kerr's a lefty, but... Um, you can get that from probably a minor leaguer you could get that from someone someone from maybe overseas i don't know but it feels like someone much cheaper than what luis garcia might get in free agency on a one year deal they can replace luis garcia's production and then jose espada between the minors and the majors this year 2.81 era whip was just below 2 so obviously you want to get that down 44 walks uh, on the year in thirty five games. so yeah, that's not great. um, but I don't really have a ton to say about Jose Espada other than maybe that's a guy that will get more time next year in twenty twenty four because he'll be on a very cheap salary, obviously because he's just getting to the big leagues. I think he only pitched once this season, and I think it was the last home game of the Padres season. So like I- I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and give you 10 minutes on Jose Espada. Because frankly, I just don't know a ton about him. And he has a $720,000 salary. So, you know, that's nothing for the Padres. And if he has a good spring training, then maybe he finds himself on the very edge of the Padres roster. Or I think Morahone, we'll see if they even tender a contract to Morhone. But I'm thinking someone like Morhone obviously would have the edge over a spot to maybe make the roster, guys like that, Ray Kerr. Um, so we'll see what happens with the spot. Uh, probably just in triple A again. And there were injuries, obviously. So that's why he got an opportunity. They were right, expanded rosters in September. So for me, with the spot, it's more of wait and see, wait and see if he even gets any bigger role in 2024 with the Padres. All right, so that's the player review portion of the show for Steven Wilson, Ray Kerr, Jose Espada, Luis Garcia. Now I'm going to get to the chat. Any comments, any questions, feel free to put those in the chat, and I will get to those after this break. I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's Underdog Fantasy. They have great pick games and best ball tournaments. In pickup games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy, and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest, where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done underdog fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways including daily contests weekly contests playoff contests and season-long contests you can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes or if you'd like you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool underdog keeps it super simple with their easy to use website and mobile apps sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code Talking Friars and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. All right, let's get to what some people in the chat are talking about here. Greasy Strangler says, Garcia Trash. Devin says, Stephen Wilson was overall solid. Kerr has potential. Espada, same with Kerr, has potential. Garcia flat-out stinked. I I mean, watching the games, yes, it looked like Garcia stunk, and so that's why I definitely see, like, Padres fans being super frustrated with Luis Garcia. Um, But I think that's because, like, those big blow-up outings are sticking in people's heads. But when you go back and look at, like, the results... And the game logs, I don't think it looked that bad. So that's why, and I think a lot of Padre fans will be happy about this. I think Padre fans won't have Luis Garcia pitching for their team in 2024 because I think there'll be another team that will see these numbers and they'll be like, hey, let's take a flyer on Luis Garcia and give him more than what maybe the Padres are offering. Or maybe the Padres don't even show interest, but we'll see. Like, we'll see what happens in the offseason, obviously. And if there's interest, in the Padres and bringing Luis Garcia back. um, Maybe there's some part of the Padres thinking that, Hey, maybe there won't actually, now I'm talking about maybe I'm not saying there's going to be a super strong market for Luis Garcia. Don't get me wrong, but all it takes is that one team to believe like, Hey, we, we see something here and we can get something out of them more than what the Padres got, at least in 2023. I thought Garcia pitched better. and was pretty good for the Padres in 2022. Um, And you know, there, there were some times where I thought he actually pitched well this season. So, yeah, with Garcia, I'm not going to be, like, pissed off if he's not on the Padres next year. I'm not saying, like, I want him back. Uh, but I won't be, like, pissed off either way. You know, like, good 2022 for Garcia, I thought, was in some high-leverage situations. This year, I thought it was a little bit disappointing, took a step back. And now he's a free agent and the Padres, they're looking to trim the payroll a little bit. Like that doesn't really match up for me, at least with Luis Garcia coming back and how much years he has in the big leagues. Um, Usually the more years that you're in the big leagues for, usually you get, even if it's a one year deal, you're going to get millions of dollars either way. So um, even for like, what Adam Engel got one million from the Padres, right? Matt Carpenter got a two-year deal. Uh, like whoever it is, and I know it's a different position, but really whoever it is, you're gonna get millions of dollars. And do the Padres with the Padres rather have someone come in making seven hundred thousand, seven hundred twenty thousand, whatever the rookie minimum is? Have that person? Do they think that, that person can replace Luis Garcia's production? If they do, they probably should go that route then, because. Uh, Luis Garcia would be, they'd have to give him millions of dollars, right? And so every every little um, chance that they can get to trim that payroll in, in spots that aren't like the big guys, I think that they should do that. Um, okay. Jennifer says Garcia got to go. Wilson will bounce back. Yeah, I think so too. I think a, a big thing is the health. Devin says Garcia's contract is over. So happy it's over. And hopefully he goes somewhere else. Boogeyman Garcia has to go no matter what. Bob and AJ won't let them go though. We all know that, but they're free agents. So, um, or not, they are Garcia is a free agent. So the Padres don't even have to be in contact with him at all this offseason if they don't want to. Oh, that's cool. Thanks Jennifer for still watching. She's saying she's watching. From Georgetown, Texas. See, I know I know Georgetown, the college in what, DC? I did not know that there was a Georgetown, Texas, but I appreciate that. Says she grew up in East County. Awesome. Uh Boogeyman says, I just want to see how Merrill does with the Padres. Yeah, but I, I just don't know I don't know when that time is going to be right for the Padres to bring Jackson Merrill up. Is it going to be right out of the get-go next year? I don't think so. Is it going to be in the second half of 2024? Is it going to be in September of 2024? I don't know. Like he's performing, I think pretty well. Um, I'm not watching every Jackson Merrill game, but it seems like he's performing pretty well um, in Double A. Is this a situation where the Padres want to bring up everyone? You know, because if you notice, with Double A, they have a lot of their big prospects are all there together. Snelling, Merrill, Salas, Martarella. Um, I think Jacob Marcy is there as well. He's playing in the Arizona Fall League. Graham Pauly, I believe, is there. So, like, they've got a lot of, of their core guy. guys. Anyartes there. Mazer's there. A lot of guys are with San Antonio. So, is this a situation where they want to bring them all up to AAA at the same time, and then they can be together in 2025 or 20 whenever they come up in the big leagues together? is this a, is this where they want to keep that core together but they know that Merrill's ready so they bring him up and keep everyone else where they're at um is this where they have Merrill start the season next year in AAA s- see him play a full season in AAA before bringing him up and i think that this, a lot of this is going to be dictated on what the roster looks like because Manny's here Bogart's is here is Cronworth going to be here don't know i i, I think he's going to be here I think there's a greater probability of Kim being dealt than Cronoworth being dealt, uh, especially because of the contract that Cronoworth is under. Um, if it's if it if those four infielders are still here, and the Padres probably should bring in someone that is like an actual first baseman, that preferably has some power, then Merrill doesn't make sense even more so to come up to the big league roster anytime soon because you'd have Manny. You'd have Kim, you'd have Bogart, you'd have Kronaworth. That's four guys for three spots in the infield. Maybe they have they try Cronaworth, you know, as a utility guy. You have a first baseman. If you're not just having Bogart's go play first or having Crony play first base again. Merrill, he he hasn't played. I think he's played maybe a couple games in the outfield in the minors. I think he maybe did that like once or twice. I remember reading that on social media, I think, during this past minor league season. I'm going to I'm I'm actually going to double check that right now. Just to see Jacks, let me look this up. Jackson Merrill, I I want to say he played I forget what position it was. But I think he played the outfield for at least one game. I I think I remember seeing that. Was it left field? Oh, it's not even going to say the position. On baseball reference, it's not even pulling up the position that he was playing. So, let me try Jackson Merrill, M-I-L-B dot com. And let's see if that'll come up at all. Defensively. Yes, he played left. Okay. He played left field for five games. So, That brings me to, like, with Merrill, infield, it doesn't seem like it makes sense for 2024 right now. Especially early on in the season. So, if they think that Merrill is ready offensively, we know the outfield situation. You could, if you find a trade for Trent, I think some team would be willing to take him on because of his glove and the power potential, try to fix him for a couple years because he's still under contract, I think, for this year, or this coming season. And then 2025, you're not going to get a whole lot back, but you could move him, move Tatis to center, or maybe you try Merrill in center and you have Tatis stand right. Um, Soto, hopefully he stays. Padres don't trade him. He's in left. Or does Soto go to right? Tatis goes to center. Merrill goes to left. Merrill in right. I don't know. Crony, utility, does he play some outfield? That hasn't been mentioned. I haven't seen that mentioned. I'm just throwing stuff at the wall and hope, you know, seeing if something sticks really. Uh, but yeah, with Merrill, it just feels like, you know, with the Bogarts contract, the Cronoworth contract, Kim's still here and really helping the team, obviously, coming off of 2023. So I just don't really see a spot. With Merrill, this is not a guy that you bring up to have him sit on the bench, right? If you're going to bring him up, you want this guy playing every day. Right, or else you're just wasting his service time when he's making like no money, and he could be a real impact player. Look at what, uh, is Evan Carter, I think is his name, with the Texas Rangers. Look at what he's doing in the postseason. You know, like Merrill could be that type of guy. Uh, I just don't want them to waste him at the big league level if there's not a spot if it doesn't fit. Right, so get him playing time at in AAA. Maybe I think he would. Yeah, probably try him in AAA, see what happens. Um, And, you know, give him those big league spring training, a lot of opportunities there, a lot of playing time, like he had last spring training. Uh, I know he got that a lot because of the WBC and some guys were away, but um, yeah, give him, give him that time, give him playing time and see what happens. I just don't see that positional fit right now with Jackson Merrill on the roster right now. Um, Jennifer says Kerr has potential. I think he does. I think we could see more of him next year. Devin says, I want to see more of Kerr. He could be like Hader, except Kerr is willing to give you more than three outs. Uh, I don't see Ray Kerr being Josh Hader. Like being the closer of the Padres. I mean, not next year for sure. I mean, maybe years down the road, but I think the Padres want to see someone maybe like Kevin Copps end up being in that role. Uh, There's probably some other guys that, you know, real pot- Padres prospect people would point to over Ray Kerr. I think Ray Kerr, you could see him be like a Tim Hill, maybe at some point. Like, um, I don't know if it's a guarantee that Tim Hill comes back because he's, I think is in his final year of arbitration. And what's that going to cost the Padres? Is that three mil? Is that four mil? Is that more than that? I don't know. And do the Padres feel like someone can replace? Do, do you think that Ray Kirk can handle that elevated role and take on that lefty, prime lefty reliever in the Padres' pen role? I think it would help to add in another lefty in the bullpen from free agency or with a trade or something. Um, you, know, you can't rely on Adrian Morehone. You just can't do it. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if Kerr gets more action. Devin asks, will you discuss Blake Snell's season, Ben? Yes, yes. Player reviews for all of those guys. Yep. Snell, the rotation, bullpen. I think it's pretty much everyone that ended the season on the roster. And then guys that were heard as well, like Musgrove, Cronoworth, like I've already done. Uh, by the way, for podcast audience, YouTube audience, I do have a playlist on the Talking Friars YouTube channel. You can go look at that where just go to playlists and you look at, I think it's labeled season reviews or player season reviews, something like that. And you'll be able to see the player reviews that I've done so far. Um, also, will you do a specific video about bringing him back because there's some traction about it on social media? Yeah, I'm sure I'm going to talk about that for sure. And maybe I'll do a whole show on that or that that'll be a main topic once we get going in the off season. Uh, Yeah. In the off season right now, I just want to do like player reviews and answer any questions stuff in the chat. Um, but yeah, there's, we'll definitely be discussing Blake Snell and a bunch of guys in the off season for sure. Um Jennifer says I we need Cooper for first. I don't think he would cost too much, but I think it wouldn't be the worst option. But maybe the Padres are gonna try to aim higher than that. But then that would mean that you're probably giving multi-year deals to guys. Do you want to do that? Or maybe they find someone in a trade that we're not really thinking about. Devin says I think the Phillies might win the World Series. They should probably be... They're the favorites in the in the NLCS over the Diamondbacks. I know that. The Rangers look really good. I'd still go with the Phillies, though. So, yeah. Right now, I would say the Phillies are going to win it. But this Astros series is long from over. Um, and the D-backs... Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen there? If Gallen and Merrill Kelly shove... And... Phillies have a couple bad nights, and then that series could be, you know, 2 1, 2 2, you know, going into the middle of that series. And who knows what the heck's going to happen there in those final games. Um, Devin asked, What do you think of Alyssa Nacken from the Giants to be the first woman manager? I'd love it. Uh, Why not? You know, like there's some guys that don't have big league playing experience, and they were successful managers, they got an opportunity to manage. So, for anyone that wants to have that excuse and be like, that's why she shouldn't manage, that's BS to me. Um, I think that's just you. And I'm not talking like this audience, if you, but if you think that Nacken can't manage in the big leagues, um, she already has respect from players in the Giants organization. Like that's been talked about. So, throw that excuse, throw that reasoning out the window, throw the non playing out the window. Um, she can help those players and she's the best person to lead that organization, um, then yeah, she should be, she should get that opportunity. And I think this would be really cool uh if that were to happen for Alyssa Nakin to be the first woman manager. Um, and what I'll say about that is it's about time because I don't really care. And if this was the Padres, I'd say the same thing. Like I like having Bob Melvin as the manager, but especially for you know teams that don't have that like real vet manager and they they fire someone, at least having the open the the willingness to interview woman candidates, that is what I want. Um I don't want people just to think of that and be and think of the woman candidate and close it, close the door on it because it's a woman. Like, no, if that person can help the organization and That's the best person for the job. I don't care if it's a female. I don't care if it's a male. I want the best person, the best communicator, the best leader, the best manager, period. That's what I want. And if the Giants feel like it's not her at this moment, then okay. Uh, But I like that at least they're giving her the chance. They're giving her the opportunity. And then, yeah, Kim Eng recently parted ways with the Marlins. Jeff Pastner is reporting this morning that um, they wanted to put a president of baseball operations over Kim Eng after she in her, this was her first year, right? First or second year might've been her first year um, as the GM of the team led the Marlins to the postseason. I get it's an expanded postseason, and there were teams that collapsed and Padres Mets failures this season and the Cardinals and all that. Like, you know, like they, they got a little bit of help, but I mean, that was impressive what the Marlins did this season and to put a president of baseball ops over her. I think that's, that's, pretty disrespectful um, to Kim Eng. Um I don't understand why you would put a president of baseball operations over Kim Eng. Oh, third year Devin. Okay, my bad. Um, still, like, she just put the Marlins in the postseason. And to put a president of baseball operations over her, who are you going to get it? Unless it's like Theo Epstein, who Epstein, sorry. Who are you going to go get? to put over her and be like, yeah, that's clearly the better person to put over Kim. Eng. Like, I don't understand that. And so for Kim to part ways, cause the Marlins picked up the club, op- the mutual option, Kim didn't pick up hers. And I totally understand why. Um, and so I respect Kim's decision there to not continue to work for an ownership group that clearly didn't believe in her enough. I know they, Picked up the mutual option. But if they wanted to bring a president of baseball operations in over her, why? I I don't understand that. And I'm not close to the Marlins. I don't follow the Marlins every day, but that doesn't make sense to me. That just doesn't make sense. I see some of the chat here. Billy Bean, great president of baseball operations for the Marlins. Yeah, but why? I don't see that. I haven't heard any rumors about Billy Bean. Um, And he stepped away from the A's because I think he's like stepping away. Not stepping away from that. I think he's still helping the A's, but I don't think he wants to be as the president of baseball operations for a team anymore. And why would he want to do it for the Miami Marlins? Like, I just don't see that the Marlins. They're not a team that is like this huge payroll team. And, would give him way more resources than he had with the A's. Like the Marlins, I mean, yeah, I don't see Billy Bean as even a possible candidate for that. I was I'm just confused by the Marlins wanting a present baseball operations over someone that took you to the postseason this year when you're the Miami Marlins. I just I just don't get that. So hopefully the Padres can go hire her as the GM. Now Preller would be the president of baseball operations over her. So she's not going to want to do that. So I don't think it's going to happen, but I'd love to have Kim Ang as a part of the organization. Um, again, it goes back to, like I was talking about here a few minutes ago, if she's the right person to do it, I don't care if you're a female or a male, if you know what you're talking about, you know what you're talking about. So and I think the Red Sox, She, I would not be surprised if the Red Sox end up hiring her as their new uh, chief baseball officer. That's the title that they usually, that's the title they gave Heim Bloom. So chief baseball officer, uh, I would not be surprised if Kim Ng ends up getting that job there. All right, quickly going to some San Diego sports stuff from over the weekend. I did make separate videos from all these topics, but just real quick for the podcast listeners, for the YouTube audience that missed those, you can go check those out on the YouTube channel. Uh, but San Diego State, they got a win over Hawaii. Finally, they were able to win a game. They are now three and four. They lost four games in a row. So it was their first win in a while. They were coming off the bye week. And they were able to get a 10-point lead late. And that kind of secured it there. Um, and now they're going to be facing Nevada at Snapdragon Stadium this coming weekend. So we'll see if they can you know, start to get on a winning streak here. Uh, and dig themselves out of the hole that they created. San Diego Loyal, they went up to Las Vegas, got a win there. Toomey, Masha scored, Adrian Perez scored. Um, the supporters for San Diego Loyal, they went up there and made some noise down the left field line. Yes, I say left field line because they were playing at uh, the Las Vegas minor league team's ballpark, I believe. So they get the win over Las Vegas, Las Vegas Lights, and now, They will have a playoff match next Sunday, the 22nd, against Phoenix Rising. They finished, San Diego finished third in the West this regular season with 57 points and Phoenix 48 points. So um, a home playoff match for San Diego Loyal. You can get your tickets if they're still available. I think they are online uh, on their website. So can't wait to be watching that on Sunday. And then San Diego Wave. They won the NWSL Shield, which was an amazing moment. Um, over 30,000 fans. Like, And I'm going to keep saying this. I've probably said this before. I know it's San Diego State Stadium, but it's really the Wave Stadium. San Diego State doesn't have 30,000-plus people showing up to their games. San Diego Wave does. San Diego Wave made the postseason last year. They're making the postseason, obviously, this year. And they win the shield, which is, for anyone that doesn't know, you win the regular season. You're the best regular season team, best regular season record, most points in the table, and you win the shield. Which, in soccer, it means a lot. Now, in other sports, fan bases, they don't care. Uh, but in soccer, it really shows like who is the most consistent team, the sometimes the most depth. I think San Diego Wave has the best keeper in the league. They obviously have Alex Morgan, Naomi Gurma, Casey Stoney, a great head coach, and Joe Ellis and uh, Molly Downton, you know, being the the GM. Like they've got a very uh, good system going there, a very good core in this organization uh, that I'm proud to be a part of. So um, the job's not finished. Jane Shaw, Alex Morgan, they scored yesterday, and it was very fitting for those two. To score, it was fitting for Kalen Sheridan to have a, a, a clean sheet. And they have not lost a match in their last three matches. And now they will await the winner of OL Reign in Angel City. That is the first round match that is coming up this coming weekend. Winner of that faces San Diego on November 5th. November 5th at Snapdragon Stadium. I believe the game is going to be at six, something, 6. It's It's the second game. Portland is the first semifinal match on that day. The second one is San Diego's match. And then if they win that, they advance to the NWSL Championship game, which is also in San Diego, neutral site. So if San Diego loses, it's still in San Diego, November 11th. And uh, hopefully San Diego can win that semifinal match, so they'll have a huge uh, home crowd advantage for the NWSL Championship game there on the 11th. There's the international break which the U.S. Women's National Team plays in San Diego. That is on the 29th. So San Diego's going to go three weeks between matches here. But that's not going to be an excuse. Um, I think that they're going to be prepared well, um, and they're going to be really focused, obviously, because these are some – I mean, this is what they play for, right? Winning. And they won the Shield, and now the next thing to win is to go win the title. All right. Um Getting back to the chat, were there any more comments here? Devin said or Devin asked, do you like Brady Hoke as the head coach? Um I'm fine with him being the head coach right now. Um I know he has a contract for multiple years beyond this year. Um if there's yeah, if there's like a younger um really good football mind out there. I would not mind a change, but I don't have like names out there to be like, got to bring that guy in. Um, So, and I believe Brady Hoke has this, has a big buyout. Not, he's not making a ton of money in the mountain West, like in, in comparison to other head coaches in the mountain West, but he does have a significant buyout. I was reading that, I think in the union tribune last week. So I don't think he's going anywhere Unless, like, San Diego State really sucks here um, for the rest of the year. Um, I think, yeah, I I just don't have a strong opinion on Brady Hoke right now. I think i got to wait for the rest of this season to play out. Now, maybe some would be like, well, why are we waiting for the rest of the season? Because they've already played the big games, and they're not going to win the Mountain West this year. Um, And as the head coach like look at what happened they lost four games in a row their four biggest games of the year they lost all of them um is that maybe that some fans or some fans are like that's all that they need to to see um and okay but i think it's more complicated than just being like yeah brady hoke needs to go and let's bring in someone else who are you bringing in there's the buyout you know, San Diego State—they're not Alabama, they're not Oklahoma, they're not Oregon, where there's a bunch of these big boosters that can just go pay the buyout and pay all the money. Um, they're not that. So, I'm right now. I'm fine with Brady Hoke continuing to be the head coach here, and I think that he will. Um, hopefully, they can turn things around this season. Although, like, what what is turning things around? Turning things around is making a bowl game, probably. Like, that's what that is right now. All right. All right. That's going to do it. Talking Friars episode 491. Thank you all for the time. I appreciate everyone who tuned in live on replay, on YouTube, podcast platforms. I appreciate it. Reminder you, you can use code Talking Friars, $20 off your seat geek order. Breakingtea.com. They also they just launched uh, their NWSL Shield San Diego Wave. 2023 Shield Champions um they launched that shirt i believe this morning so you can check that out if you want that um breakingt.com the description or the link is in the description uh Gaglion bros the main sponsor of the show website is also in the description great san diego sports um they they're, they're great supporters of san diego sports the best garlic fries cheese steaks in town they're at Snapdragon Stadium so um, maybe some fans enjoyed that at the wave match yesterday. And then Foco, click the link in the description for them. Some great Padres, bobbleheads, and collectibles there. All right, that'll do it. See you everybody.